Welcome to Music History Monday for September 27, 2021. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is Dvorak in America. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the arrival on September 27, 1892, 129 years ago today, of the Bohemian-born Czech composer Antonin Dvorak, 1841-1904, in the United States, here to take up the directorship of the National Conservatory of Music in New York City. He retained the directorship for two and one-half years until March of 1895, at which time he and his family returned to Prague. Antonin Dvorak in 1891. By 1891, at the age of 50, Dvorak was that rarest of living composers, successful, appreciated by a worldwide public, and relatively wealthy, regarded by many as the second greatest living composer after Brahms. The nationalist Czech accent with which Dvorak's music spoke made it, in reality, much more popular than Brahms's music. It was Dvorak's fame as a nationalist composer that brought him to the attention of a rich American woman by the name of Jeanette Myers Thurber, 1850-1946. Mrs. Thurber was the wife of a wholesale grocer and was herself a musician of talent, having been educated at the Paris Conservatoire. Jeanette Thurber was one of the greatest patrons of music the United States has ever known. I would suggest that had she given her name to any of the projects with which she was involved during her 96 years, she would be as well remembered today as Andrew Carnegie, Augustus D. Juilliard, George Eastman, and Avery Fisher, to name but a few. In 1885, Thurber personally founded the National Conservatory of Music of America in New York City. It was modeled on the Paris Conservatoire, and its avowed mission was to create, quote, a national musical spirit, unquote. The National Conservatory was the first major conservatory founded in New York City. It shut its doors in 1930 as a result of the stock market crash and the Depression, but it shed a bright light for 45 years, providing an affordable music education to two generations of deserving students, including African Americans and the disabled. For our reference, New York's Institute of Musical Art was founded 19 years after Thurber's National Conservatory in 1904 and was renamed the Juilliard School in 1926. The Manus School of Music was founded in 1916 and the Manhattan School of Music in 1917. For our further reference, the oldest surviving music conservatory in the United States 
is the Peabody Institute in Baltimore, founded in 1857. On June 5, 1891, Jeanette Thurber cabled Antonin Dvorak in Prague and offered him the directorship of the National Conservatory of Music. Now, the moment was auspicious, as the following year, 1892, marked the 400th anniversary of Columbus's presumed discovery of America. At this signal and celebratory moment in American history, Jeanette Thurber wanted Dvorak to help found, through his own example, an American school of composition at a time when almost every American composer wanted to sound like Brahms. In sum, for Jeanette Thurber and her board of directors, Dvorak was a ringer brought in to jumpstart American music. Mrs. Thurber made Mr. Dvorak an offer he could not refuse. Come to New York, become the director of the conservatory, teach three hours a day, and put together some concerts. For this modest schedule, the National Conservatory was prepared to pay dearly. Dvorak was offered a three-year contract at a whopping $15,000 a year, the equivalent today of around $451,000 a year, and a 2,500% increase over Dvorak's salary at the Prague Conservatory. How do we say yes in Czech? Dvorak and his family arrived in the United States on September 27, 1892. After what was described as a stormy 12-day Atlantic passage, the SS Sala docked in Hoboken, New Jersey, just across the Hudson River from the city, meaning the island of Manhattan. The Dvorak clan was whisked across the Hudson to NYC and installed in six rooms at the Clarendon Hotel on Union Square. It was a great location, and their rooms had a nice view of Union Square. But it was noisy, and it was expensive, $70 a week. So the Dvorak's quickly decamped to rooms at 327 East 17th Street, just a couple of blocks from the National Conservatory, which was then located at 126 to 128 East 17th Street. For our information, the conservatory moved to larger digs on the west side in 1915. It was at 327 East 17th Street that the Dvorak family remained until they left the United States in the spring of 1895. It was in this house that Dvorak composed, among other works, two of the greatest pieces of music ever composed in the United States, his cello concerto in B minor and his symphony number no. nine, the New World Symphony. But the house's history couldn't save it. Despite international cries of protest, including those of the president of the Czech Republic, Václav Havel, the house was demolished in 1991 to make way for the Beth Israel Medical Center's AIDS Hospice. In 2017, the hospice was converted into a homeless shelter. Dvorak's arrival in America provoked 
a media frenzy, and no wonder. He was the first great European composer to ever visit the United States. Among the first published descriptions of Dvorak after his arrival appeared in the Musical Standard in October of 1892 and reads as follows, quote, He is not an awesome personality at all. He is much taller than his pictures would imply and possesses not a tithe of the bulldog ferocity to be encountered in some of them. He is about five foot ten or eleven inches tall, a man of great natural dignity, a man of character. He is not beautiful in the forms of the face, but the lines of his brow are so finely modeled, and there is so much emotional life in the fiery eyes and lined face, that his face is not easily forgotten." Unquote. Oh, by the way, Dvorak spoke passable English, which allowed him to communicate directly with his hosts without the constant need of an interpreter. Lucrative though it was, Dvorak did not take the job as director of the National Conservatory strictly for the money. Neither did he travel from Prague to New York as a result of midlife wanderlust or a desire to increase his fame through public performances in the Western Hemisphere. In point of fact, Dvorak was morbidly afraid of travel, terrified of illness to the point of hypochondria, and fearful of performing in public before non-Czech audiences. In a word, Dvorak was seduced by Jeanette Thurber's vision for American music. He was, as well, in search of inspiration, which he found, big time, in the New World. He was also fascinated by the idea of America, a huge, sprawling, somewhat barbaric, energy-filled meritocracy in which his working-class roots, as a boy Dvorak had been apprenticed as a butcher, would be considered an asset rather than a liability. Dvorak never felt particularly at home in the United States, with the exception of his summer vacation in 1893, which he spent in Spillville, Iowa, where there was a Czech-speaking Bohemian colony, about which I'll write at length in tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes post. His homesickness and American culture shock aside, Dvorak composed some pretty fine music while he was in the United States, music that was at least partially inspired by the huge, energized, diverse, and admittedly juvenile culture he observed during his stay. Among the works he composed in the U.S. of A. were the aforementioned Symphony No. 9 in E minor, Opus 95, the so-called New World Symphony, and the Concerto for Cello in B minor, Opus 104. Perhaps less famous, but of equal musical quality, are his String Quartet No. 12 in F major, Opus 96, the so-called American String Quartet, and his String Quintet in E flat major, Opus 97. It is the latter two American works, the String Quartet in F major and the Quintet in E flat major, written in Spillville, Iowa, that will be the focus of tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes Post. An American Music. We contemplate briefly, but vigorously, 
what constitutes the American in Dvorak's American works? Are they American because he composed them in America? Are they American because they contain elements of what is presumably American music? Good questions. The answers in a moment. Just a few weeks after Dvorak's arrival in New York, the national celebration of the 400th anniversary of Columbus's first American journey began. As a result, Dvorak had a front row seat for one of the most sustained binges of Americana this nation had ever seen. In December of 1892, two months after Dvorak's arrival, the well-known music critic James Huneker wrote an article suggesting that a, quote, messiah of American music, unquote, guess who, should employ, quote, Negro melodies, unquote, to create a new, distinctly American style of concert music. For her part, Jeanette Thurber gave Dvorak a copy of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's epic poem, Song of Hiawatha with the suggestion that Dvorak use it as the basis for what would be, in her words, quote, the great American opera, unquote. Dvorak was swept up by all of this. An African-American faculty member at the conservatory named Henry Thacker Burley, 1866 to 1949, sang to Dvorak's spirituals, and plantation songs by Stephen Foster. Dvorak's not-so-scientific-by-modern-standards investigation into American culture took him to Buffalo Bill's Wild West show in the spring of 1893, where he heard and saw members of the Oglala Sioux tribe sing and dance. Writes Dvorak scholar Michael Beckerman, quote, with Jeanette Thurber working tirelessly to have Dvorak create a new American style and thus a new American school of music, he needed to select musical elements that would signify this American style." Unquote. Dvorak's New World Symphony, composed in New York City between January 10 and May 24, 1893, was the first of Dvorak's so-called American works. With its references to Negro spirituals, the plantation songs of Stephen Foster, and Longfellow's Song of Hiawatha, it has also been called the first great American symphony. The first great American symphony? I don't think so. In fact, the New World Symphony is a cosmopolitan work, a combination of a German symphony and tone poem with a thin thematic veneer of Americanisms layered on top for local color. In what was for him a rare outburst, Dvorak revealed his peak with those critics who attempted to paint him as an American composer. Quote, so I am an American composer, am I? I was, I am, and I remain a Czech composer. I have only showed them, meaning the Americans, I have only showed them the path they might take, how they should work." Unquote. Tomorrow, in Dr. Bob Prescribes, we'll discuss the high point of Dvorak's great 
American adventure. The summer of 1893, his residence in Spillville, Iowa, and the composition of his string quartet in F major, opus 96, and his string quintet in E flat major, opus 97. Until then, thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.